know if you've been tracking the speakings of the spirit over the past few weeks when mom teaches when dad teaches and the um the few teachings we do here also you start to realize that god is starting to tell us that we have camped around the mountain of give me give me give me long enough we've camped around the mountain of lord do this for me lord do this that for me god is starting to that that kind of flow had been coming since around the convention time where god has been saying look it's 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 been a for a long time it's been a question of children of god wanting to use god many 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 people just want to use god one day the Holy Ghost said to me that if the truth of the matter for many children of god is that the things they believe god for the reason they are believing god for those things are not the right reasons many many times people don't go to diabolic places because they are not they are trying to not go to hell if they could if many people could go to diabolical places without the consequence of hell how many people don't know how many people believe that people will actually go if you could go to a witch doctor a native doctor without the consequence of maybe you will collect a dick from you and give you cancer if that was not in you know people would actually go there so uh, but that the thing is god is able like we've been looking at the judgments of words works and actions god is actually able to look into the depth of your soul and determine if that is something you will do or not so god would respond to you based on the analysis of you because he made you and he knows the way you think and the way you go about things. So God knows the, the, the things you would never admit to as a person. God knows. God was, you know, God was speaking of Jacob and Esau. He said, Jacob have loved, Esau I have hated. And they weren't even born yet. And people say it means that God is wicked. No, 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 no. Have you considered the life of Esau? Many, many times people and all and actually no most times people always end up justifying justifying what God thinks of them. It's just in many exceptional cases that people turn around and because God also leaves the door open, God has always left the door open for for people to change people to be better versions of themselves so because of that when people people always would always have their possibility to change but many times when god has said that hmm, this person the things that god said about judas that eventually betrayed jesus those things didn't have judas's name written on them did they Jesus, God, Bible never mentioned Judas as the person, but the way Judas was going, he brought the fulfillment of everything upon himself. There is a way you can walk. There was a way. There is a way. The way Jesus walked, such that he he fulfilled every single prophecy that was written about him. There were about three hundred of them in the Old Testament, and he fulfilled every single one. The day he was supposed to fulfill them, two the letter including the words he was supposed to say 
And on the other side also, Judas fulfilled it to the amount I sold Jesus for. He fulfilled it to the letter. There is, there is the consciousness side of a man. There's the unconscious side of a man. One of the things, one of the reasons why we come to church is to learn things that not only just soak into our minds, but soak into our spirits. Such that even though you can't control your unconsciousness, your spirit can. If your spirit is strong enough, your spirit can impose on your subconscious such that when you are not so that so that your first response is not some you know many times your first reaction to something is not some is not is not that you planned maybe somebody you are just talking to and somebody say oh did you hear about this thing and then you respond you weren't planning that response but the the reason you respond the right way even when you are not planning is because there's something about your spirit that can that can impose on what your subconscious does and then from there with your sub then when you react from your subconscious or when you are reacting from something you didn't plan your the 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 the, the construct of your spirit is able to inform you such that you still react the right way even when you have not planned your response god looks as the total man god looks at your subconscious your consciousness your spirit your, we've been reading Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 as our anchor scripture. Let me actually, let's go there. Hebrews chapter 4. Because many times, people don't understand the nature of the God we deal with. And I've told us that when we are talking of judgment, I'm not just talking of judgment in terms of punishment. I'm talking of judgment in terms of evaluation. The same way you judge the actions of your child and you respond based on the on your conclusion. You look at you can the way you can judge the mood of your child and go, something is not right about this child. And then you call the child and say, son, daughter, what's the problem? It's the same way God evaluates and judges our actions and everything. And on that on the basis of that is conclusion, then he responds to us. Hebrews 4:12 says, For the word of God is quick and powerful. Jesus there are two ways to look at it. You can look at this as the word of God in terms of the written word of God. You can also look at it in terms of Jesus himself being the word of God. And then you start to look at the qualities. They said, number one, the word of God is quick. Quickness here is not in terms of speed. Quickness is in terms of being alive. It says he is the God that quickens the dead. So it's quickening, quick in the term, in terms of being alive. Say the word of God is powerful. Powerful is the word of God. That means the word of God is active. The word of God is effectual. The word of God is operative. It says, and it's sharper than any two-edged sword. Sharp, the sharpness there talks of, of, of the word of God being decisive, of the word of God being comprehensive. It's sharper. When you say, you know, you know, many, you know, you look at children and say, ah, that child is so sharp. That means that child is able, has, has, has the ability to grasp concepts quickly. Things that maybe you expect from adults. You see a child and you're like, wow, this is, this is impressive. This is, this is, so maybe concepts that you feel, oh, normally children should not fully understand. And then you realize that that child understands it. You say that child is sharp. That child is comprehensive. So the judgments of God, the word of God, 
Christ or even the written word of God is decisive, is comprehensive. The word of God is not two-faced about anything. The word of God is straight to the point. The word of God is comprehensive. There is, we might say, oh, the Bible doesn't address a matter directly. But the truth of the matter is that you can learn the nature and the acts and the ways of God. And if you know God enough, you will know if that thing is acceptable to the person you know or not. So you can say, God didn't address this. He didn't mention it. It's not mentioned anywhere, so God doesn't bother about it. But by, by virtue of the kind of God you know God to be, does that thing fit his person? Does that thing align with all the knowledge of God inside you? If it doesn't, God has spoken. He has spoken by his nature. He has addressed that matter by his person. So don't be, don't, don't lie to yourself. Because if you lie to yourself, God knows, Satan knows, and you know. So don't lie to yourself and say, oh, God did, because God didn't say it's a gray area, so I can do an undo. No, you cannot do an undo. Knowing, therefore, the terror of God, we do what? We persuade men. It says the word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of the... <laughs> you know why the word of God is sharp? You know, the God, I said the word of God is sharp, is decisive, is comprehensive. The justice of God is not like the justice of men. Men, what men call justice is not really justice. It's just, it's, it's punishing somebody for a crime. That is man's real definition of justice. Somebody broken the law and by the end of the law, that person has to be punished for what they have done. Okay. Um, but God's justice system is not the same. God's justice system is looking at both the sinner, the offender, and the offended. So the justice system of God is such that eventually God wants to restore the person that has been offended and the person that has offended. Because God knows that the common ground for all these things is the fallen nature of man. So where, where man will say, okay, for example, somebody stole something. And they, they, by the letter of the law, that person is supposed to go to jail. So they take the person, most times in, in, in human system, they take the person to court. Abby, they prosecute the person. The judge says, okay, by virtue of what you have done, 10 million, um, 10 years is your punishment to go to jail. And then they say, okay, but what happens to the person that uh, was stolen from? Maybe you can recover the good, maybe you cannot. If you, let's say you can recover what was stolen, what about the emotional distress? What a, the, the, for some people, that experience of a thief breaking into their heart, like a house, they, they find it so difficult to shake it out of their mind that, that, that that's where their health begins to deteriorate. How do you take care of all of those things? Many times, the justice system of man cannot fully account for all of those things. But when it comes to the justice of God, God both deals with the offender and the offender. So that at the end of the day, everybody is restored. Everybody is renewed. The offended person finds hope, finds help, finds comfort. The offender receives go and see no more. 
so that something worse would not happen to you. That doesn't mean that God doesn't punish because that's why Jesus told that that woman, go and sin no more. Because if you go back and sin, and now that and then there remains no sacrifice for your sin, what you are looking at is heavy judgment. So the justice of God does not exclude judgment, but the first, but the first thing God does is not to always the, is not to to say okay you have done this, and then I'm going to punish you. Many times that's why like that passage said that passage that Pastor Busi said he said that God goes people God does not is not slack like people consider slackness, slackness in the sense that God gives people a long rope to pull, but believe me at the end of that rope. If you get to the end of that rope, what you will find is that God is just. So he gives God always gives a margin of mercy, margin of mercy, margin of mercy, margin of mercy. But because God always judges, you know, I've told us in this church that one of the reasons why you don't follow people to do certain things is because your margin of mercy is not the same. One of the of the underlying principles you find in scriptures is that uh God eventually leaves some things to his sovereignty. Um, classic example, when people say, should you drink? Should you not drink alcohol? Should the same Bible that says uh, wine is a mocker. The same Bible says that um, you see scriptures that say, oh, take a little wine for your infirmity and all of that. And people will argue to death that passage is alcohol then the people will say a uh, marriage of the Cana of Galilee that they will swear that it was alcohol that Jesus made that day all sorts of things but then the Bible now says that all drunkards will find their place in hell so let's even now say that okay you you you've been able to convince the whole world that Jesus made alcohol at Cana of Galilee because the 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 master of ceremony came and said, "Ah, Oga, you should bring out the sweet wine, good wine first. And when everybody is drunk, then you bring the that's people's argument that then you when people everybody's drunk with the good one, you not bring the bad one because at that point they are so drunk they won't care anymore. So let's even accept your argument and say, okay, Jesus made booze that day. But then the Bible goes on and says every drunkard will find their part in the lake of hell. The question is, at what point do you cross? from leisure drinking to a drunkard can you find that line because if you cannot find that line <laughs> yourself with your glass of alcohol <laughs> straight to, you understand so there are many many things like that people people say that that's also why the argument of can somebody lose their salvation someone cannot lose their salvation exists because people will say that um as long as the, once the person has confessed jesus as lord and savior they are eternally saved and somebody else will come and say you can lose your salvation the truth of the matter is from the precepts of scriptures you can lose your salvation there are many scriptures that allude to that i'm not teaching that today but yes you can but the problem is that the point at which you lose it is not a point that you can pinpoint the holy ghost in the scripture the holy ghost always comes as as spectacularly but when he leaves he leaves quietly that's the problem when he leaves he leaves something 
the Holy Ghost came, you know, and an angel came, announced and said it will be this, it will be a deliverer and everything. His parents, this is what you, you raise him in Nazareth and everything. And Samson will go about himself alone in a field, destroy all the Philistines. He will catch 300 foxes, tie them together, all spectacular loud things. One time they were trying to capture him. He waited till midnight, removed the gate and the pillar and everything. Carried it to, he didn't carry it to a mountain, carried, carried it to a mountain, not a valley. Spectacular things. Until the day the Holy Ghost left. And the Bible says Samson rose up to go as before, and he did not know that the spirit had left him. That's how it always happens. So the point where a person crosses from being saved to not no longer saved, that person is unlikely to know. The day you will find out, find out is the day that person that does something spectacularly bad, and you will say, Ah, how did this guy do this bad thing, my friend? He lost his salvation months ago. You just found out today. And so because of that distinction, it is difficult. You, you cannot, that's why you cannot say people cannot lose their salvation. Yes, people can. It is just that when the Holy Ghost has packed his bag and left, most times people don't know. So the, uh, a good, a, 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 the Spirit of God left Saul. It wasn't obvious that day. And an evil spirit came and rested upon him. It was the day he wanted to pin, that he started to manifest in the house, that people realized, hmm, something is not right. So let's go get somebody that will play for him. And they, David will play, David will play, and he will calm down. Until the day that the playing didn't help. Because now, he, apart from that madness, he had added jealousy, he has added hatred, he has added, he had invited extra demons that were bigger than the harp of David. And so David was busy playing harp when the man was still going to use javelin to nail him. The harp was, was it not working before? But at some point it stopped working because the guy that was playing was about to be pinned to the wall. Spiritual matters are in cadres and stages and everything. The power you have today. Let me, let me just, <laughs> let me not go and start what I can't finish. Power, that's why when Jesus was living there, he said, all power and authority has been given to me. All. All. So, when he was talking, by then scripture was talking about sitting at the head of principalities, head of principalities and power. You know, Jesus is the head. You know, the Bible describes Jesus as the head of principalities and powers. No, it doesn't mean that he's the chief principality in that sense. It doesn't mean, it's not like the head witch is that at the pinnacle of all kinds of powers that exist sits Jesus. Nothing is bigger than Jesus. Nothing is more powerful than Jesus. So, and because we have delegated power and authority, and authority and measure in stages, a, your MP, is it powerful or not? If you have visa issues, you know, there was it. I don't know if it still happens now. If you had visa issues sometimes, you could write to your MP. If your MP writes the home office, they will get back to you and your visa issues will be sorted. You know, they do that. They're powerful to an extent. But is the MP as powerful as the mayor of London? Is the mayor of London as powerful as the prime minister? Even as powerful as the prime minister is, he still needs to go and kneel down before the queen or king before you. you if the king says no, of course he won't say no. Most times he won't say it because he, w- he wouldn't want to cause political unrest. But actually, if the prime minister goes to the king and the king says, no, it's no, you go back and face your constitutional crisis, but it's a no. So all of them have power. So, so children of God also, we are powerful 
as to the degree to which the Holy Ghost can find expression in us. That's how power, that's the, the maximum power. The maximum power you can exhibit is not, exa- is not always equal to the maximum power God has. Is that the maximum you can exhibit right now is to the degree to which you are yielded to the person of the Holy Ghost. So yes, you have power because you have power in the sense that you can lay hands on headache and headache vanishes. But if it comes to cancer, you might need somebody else that has journeyed with God enough to be at a higher level of influence with God and wield a higher level of power and authority in God to be able to deal with that one. That one might be bigger than the ability you have at the moment. It doesn't mean you will not get to that day. That day will still come where you will lay hands on cancer and it will vanish as long as you keep your trajectory of the work with your work with the Holy Ghost. So it comes. So like I was posting uh, about the need for power, evangelism and all that. Somebody messaged me and said, am I saying that um, until we can heal the blind and, and, and raise the dead that we shouldn't do evangelism? I said, no. You must continue to do evangelism as the Holy Ghost gives you the grace to. But what you must not stop at is 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 to stop at aspiring and beyond aspiring is for you to now stop at doing the things that will get you to that point where the Holy Ghost can do bigger things through you. That was saying this morning, saying things about um, praying in the Spirit. And it's made a point that really caught my attention. How can you pray in an understanding for your problem that you can't even define? You don't even know the length and breadth of the issue you are dealing with. Many times, problems are like icebergs. I, the, 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 you are the first 10%. The rest of it is underwater. You, and you have no idea how big it is underwater. So how can you say you want to pray your understanding about a problem that you don't even know the length and breadth of it? You don't know who is involved, who is not. You don't know who is, who is at the end of that matter and who is not. You know, for example, um, classic example, some of the, you know, some of these universities where a lecturer, uh, we are watching one of those movies with dad and mom and, and the le- this le- lecturer here says to this student, would you like to date me? So then says, oh God, what is wrong with you? No. Fine. So the lecturer, because he doesn't want to pay, he now tells his friend in another faculty that that girl was doing a module with to fail the girl. So now, naturally speaking, if you wanted to pray about that situation, you would just pray and say, ah, this lecturer here that is bugging me, God deal with it. We are ass. Your problem is beyond lecturer here. There's lecturer B, there's lecturer C, there's lecturer D. And you know, there was a time when I was at uni that there was some an issue like that and, and somebody got failed. And because the process on that side is not as transparent as it should be, you can challenge for your script. But the process of challenging for one paper will exhaust you so much that if they fail you in two or three, you won't even bother with the others. So why bother? You have to write to Senate. Senate has to sit. Senate has to call the lecturer. Lecturer has to give his own version. All of these things are not happening in one week. You hope you know that. So you, you reported in January. Senate will sit in April. Uh, they will call the lecturer in September. All that time, you are better off rewriting and passing. That, so that's why, it, that's one of the things that was announced, and he now said that, that's why you pray in the Holy Ghost. So that 
the Holy Ghost knows the length and breadth of the matter you are dealing with, even if you don't. So pray in his language. And he also gave the advantage the example of the advantage of the devil not knowing what you are talking about. I know we are talking about this recently. If you don't talk, Satan cannot have an idea of what. So if God has said things to you and you don't say them out loud, you see, this is the dichotomy of life. If God has said something to you, there is the power of confession. But you must understand, <coughs> excuse me, that the other thing that the power of confession brings is that it brings enemies. Because you have to say so you can have. You have to declare it so it can come to pass. So God speaks and then the power to accomplish what God has said goes out with the word. So that's why the word of God doesn't return to him void. He will, he will go and do what God has said he should do. Also, you now have to speak so that what God, what you are declaring according to the word of God can come to pass in your life. But the other side of it is when you are speaking, you are not only you are addressing heaven. But if you, especially if you are speaking your language, then you are also addressing, you are also speaking to the earth, speaking to elements to move on your behalf. When Joshua was preaching, he was, was speaking, son, stand still where? Over Gibeon, moon, valley of Ijalon. He was one that spoke, even though he was speaking by the authority and power of God. Because earlier in that verse, the Bible said he, he talked to God. People don't look at that part. They just say that uh, Joshua spoke to the sun and the moon. Earlier in the verse, he said that Joshua spent time talking to God. So after he had spoken to God, the power and the boldness to make that kind of declaration came. And then he opened his mouth and declared. And all of that. So, but, but when you now do declarations, like even Satan is listening. And so Satan also goes to what many times children of you you say I declare and declare and you walk away. But the people that heard you didn't walk away. Satan didn't hear you and walk away. Satan heard you and went to work. You declared and went to bed. He heard you and started to put emotion things that will make because the only aim of God of Satan is to make sure that the word of God in your life comes becomes void. He just wants to make sure that the word of God in your life does not come to pass. That thing God has said is going to make you. Satan just wants to make sure that that thing never happens. And so he goes to work setting obstacles and traps and challenges. You are like, I've decreed it, I have received it. My friend, you have received nothing. <laughs> Hallelujah. What you have received is warfare. You know, the apostle was telling somebody, he said you should war with prophecy. So now the prophecy has gone around. Ah, my child, my child, I am going to use you powerfully. <laughs> my friend, that call you had is a call to warfare. You have been called to war. And all, 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 a prophecy goes, I'm going to make your children great. My dear, your prayer project has started. That is what it means. It means that you now, you, you now have to always be before God and say, you said you will make my child great. Every obstacle before their greatness, I destroy, I bind every day. Then you have to listen. When, you, when they mention some friend that is useless, you must be able to catch it. When they... Yesterday, uh, my daughter came and she came to my room and said, um, what, was, what was that thing she was talking about? Ugly and all of these things. Huh? 
<laughs> so she came to me and said, oh, oh, she thinks she's ugly. I said, why? I said, why? I said, because, because she thinks she's ugly because I said she should go out. I said, no, auntie, come and sit down. I said you should go out because you are disturbing my sleep. You, I said I wanted to sleep. You also said you wanted to sleep. She laid next to me, came with a spoon and was poking me. <laughs> like, that's why I said go out. But the, inter- the evil interpretation, maybe because of some things they had learned in school or some whatever, is that is uh, rejecting me because I'm ugly. Like, Auntie, you are the most beautiful person. Because if they, <laughs> that's one of the biggest scriptures that rests in my head is, is that if, if they say it and you don't hear it, then God deals with it. If they say it and you hear it and you do nothing about it, God leaves it alone. Leviticus says if a, if, 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 if a, a child makes a vow to the Lord and the man, even if your wife makes a vow to the Lord and you heard it and you kept quiet, that she will, if she doesn't fulfill that vow, she will pay. But if your wife or your child makes a vow and you hear it and you cancel it, God accepts that your, your cancellation as the authority in the house. But if you, if you not, your child says, I'm going to give God 10,000. I'm going to give God 2,000. And you heard it and you, and you kept quiet. You, you're, you, it's now on you to help that child find that money. Because if you don't, then that child is going to pay for making a vow and not fulfilling. God says, it's rather you don't vow than you vow and not fulfill it. So anything people say as the authority figure over that child, whether it is the child to the mother or to the father, or it is the wife to the husband or whatever, whoever is at the at whoever has the higher authority in that scenario has the ability to cancel anything that the person with the lower authority has said. It doesn't make anybody inferior to anybody, it just means that is the hierarchy of structure. That is the structure of authority, and it must be respected. There are people you know that you feel will be better than the prime minister. But it doesn't matter. Is the prime minister that person is not. And it is what the prime minister says that goes. Regardless of if you think somebody is better than him or not, he is the prime minister. So as parents, as husbands and wives and everything, you cannot afford to not be switched on when it comes to authority things. You cannot afford to not be switched on when it comes to things about confession. Has it gone forth? Ezekiah, the prophet came to Ezekiah and said, what did you show the the people of Babylon? He said, I showed them everything. All the things you have shown them, the day will come, they will come and carry. Daniel was 17 years old when they dragged him. All the way to Babylon. There's always something about Satan trying to, when people are still teenagers, 17, 18, God is always trying to mold them a certain way. But also Satan always, you notice that everything that Daniel needed to survive in Babylon, he learned before he was 17. Joseph, everything Joseph needed to succeed in Egypt, he learned before 17. Have you, people that get born again in their 20s, if God does not help them, the, the things you need to learn, the things you need to, 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 you know, they say it takes time to know God. How many of you believe it's true? You've been born, how many of you have been born again for at least 10 years here? Yeah? How well do you think you know God? 
imagine think for yourself imagine all of us here we don't get born again until each of us is 50 years old where do we even start <laughs> sometimes you ask yourself where do i even <laughs> where do i even imagine you knew nothing of god until 50 where do you start from but that's why God has facilities. Even when you get born again at 50 and 60, God still has facilities. It's just that there are some things that you might not physically... Imagine God has called you to an evangelist and you just got born again at 56. Physically speaking, how much can your body handle when you are 60? When you are 60. It doesn't matter that your mind wants to do it. The truth of the matter is your physical body can no longer cope with certain rigors. Imagine if you have to now, you 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 do um, seven days program every two weeks, or five days program every three weeks at sixty. Maybe you just fall down and die one day. <laughs> it's true. So that's why many times God comes early, and usually things you put, usually people training children, and all that, the things you put in them, just keep doing it. When they are seventeen, there's a good chance you have you would have formed the foundation of everything they need to know. It doesn't mean they will never make mistakes. No, it doesn't. They they might still make mistakes, but even at that point, the foundation for rectifying the mistakes would have been they will know. One of the things it will do for them is that they will recognize the mistake. You know you can make a mistake and not even know you've made a mistake and just keep going there. But if the foundation is there, the, that contrast will be in their spirit. Like, mm, this does not align with the foundation that has been built in me for 17 years. And then they start to look for ways to fix it, to correct it and all that. But if you put nothing, let we help us in Jesus' name. Hebrews 4.12 says, um, <coughs> piercing unto the, it's a piercing even unto the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and of the joint and the marrow and is a, and is a discerner of the thought and intent. The soul there speaks of our psyche, of our feelings, our emotion, our affection, our desires. Spirit there speaks of the God component of us, the life of God in us. The spirit, our spirit made alive by the sacrifice of Jesus and accepting that sacrifice. And we, we, we've we looked at some of the things God judges. The last one we spoke about last week was our works. And I was showing us in Second Corinthians. Um, in First Corinthians 3, I was showing us the fact that we build with gold, with silver, with precious stones, hay, stubble. You remember that? And I was saying that the fire test is the fact that like I went to read the Revelations. I don't want to read it again because of time, but I went to Revelations and read to us the fact that when the Apostle John saw Jesus, he saw him with fire in his eyes. And that's why the scripture now, so the judgment of our works is the evaluation of it when the Lord comes and inspects what we have built. And then the Lord Jesus is, that's why in, in when the letter to the seven churches, after the Lord has introduced himself, the next thing he will say is, I know your works. You, we know that. I know your works. I know your works. I know your works. That's why he turned up with fire in his eyes. And the next thing he will say is, I know your works. I know your... That means he's watching, he's evaluating, he's looking at it. So the next thing that God judges with is, is according to that Hebrews 4.12, joints and marrows. 
your joints this is number five now your joints they refer to things you have found harmony with things you have found connection with things you have found kindred spirit with things that you have connected yourself to and you know um then when you speak of marrow it speaks of the root it speaks of what is enclosed within you know leviticus 17 11 says the life of the flesh is in the blood and you know that blood cells are made in the marrow so that eventually it is the things that are found in the deepest recess of your spirit that actually power your life not just the things that you pretend to do or the things that you act you know have you noticed that people that act around you can if, if you it doesn't matter how well people can act they they, they can keep it up for you but the day will come where they are acting they will, they will make mistakes in their acting have you noticed it before if you it doesn't matter that somebody is pretending they they that they're acting will fail one day if you just if you are just patient enough you will see that this person pretends around me that is the nature of it because eventually the deepest what is in the deepest recess of your spirit will turn up it is a, maybe a situation will squeeze it out a circumstance that is why when people say hmm this person you want to marry you want to date the person for five years good luck to you because that dating process is still not enough to bring out the deep things that are deepest in the recess of people and you know one thing i say to people like that is that's all well and good but the short matter is there are situations that can happen that you don't know how that person will react to and their reaction does not necessarily make them a bad person it is just that people fold differently under pressure so you don't know how that person is going to fold you don't know you don't know the the elastic limits of people you can you cannot judge by yourself the elastic limit of people you can't people have different experiences people have grown different. you know i, I was having a discussion one time and some people were saying that i think we we're talking of people that had difficult childhoods and all that and i was laughing because some of the things they were mentioning they were, were funny to me and i told them that do you guys know that we 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 had to leave our house when we were, I was like eight years old. I think my brother was six, this one was four. And basically, I don't know, you know, that time it was conflict between cities and all that. And I remember they said they wrote a list of people they wanted to kill and dad's name was number one on the list. <laughs> and I remember that that was when dad good decided, you people, I'm coming to come and ship you. And he came, the person that came to pick us came around 7 p.m packed us and just ran away yeah it was your dad <laughs> he came to get us that time like they had to come and whisk us away and then we ended up in the boarding house at what age and all that and somebody's there saying oh they remember one time when they because somebody ate their snacks in nursery that's why they are like please <laughs> please <laughs> You know, there's a picture I see of Jesus. You know, have you seen that picture of Jesus and a young man complaining to Jesus about how hard his life has been? Have you seen that picture before? It goes around the social media. So the man is standing next to Jesus, complaining about how difficult his life has been. Whereas the Jesus standing next to him, blood all over his clothes, nails in his hands, nail in his leg, and Jesus is looking at him like, you don't say. 
Sometimes that's how it is. But then the Holy Spirit told me that, look, your experiences are different. But that experience that that person is defining, is explaining, you don't trivialize it. Because it's actually made them who they are. You don't know. It's just that what affects people might be different, but eventually it affects them anyway. Whether it was biscuit in nursery, that is the reason for their self-esteem problem today. You don't know that. But that's what makes God the wonderful job because he knows that. So when he's dealing with that, that person is, he is dealing with, so when God is dealing with that person, might be dealing with the person in the sense of comfort, sending comforters, sending encouragers because god has judged that person and realized okay this is and 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 seen the issue so he's sending people to, whereas you somebody might god might send someone that will just kick you give you a kick and tell you to be serious and you're wondering god you are sending encouragement to that person why are you giving me a kick up the backside here he has looked at both of you he has looked at where you're from where you are where you are going and based on that, God relates to us now. So joints, like I said, they are like your connections. And it's quite critical because many times um, we connections are not always a reflection of your person. Sometimes you, that's why someone, blessed is the man that walketh not in the castle of the ungodly. He, that man might be a good man. But then he has gone to join himself to something that is not him. That's what Apostle Paul was saying. That uh, why would you take the body of the Lord and go and join it to a harlot? It doesn't mean that the man is a harlot, but he has gone to connect with something that is different from his nature. One of the ways to have grief in life is to be connected to something that antagonizes the depth of your person. If you, sometimes it might be a coworker. Sometimes it might be a boss. Sometimes it might be anything. But if if you if that could, but God also is so powerful that He can look at the connections you have made, the things you are in harmony with, and your person, and can judge that okay, this is the definition of being unequally yoked. Of course, some unequal yokes can be mended. Some cannot. Somebody was speaking to me and showed me a video of a, a servant of God that was saying, of course, God endorses divorce, so uh, you can divorce and go and remarry. I'm like, apologies, but that is not my own understanding of the matter. And since I've mentioned it, let me tell you my own understanding of the matter. When people get married, you come before God and say, until death do you part. Abby, marriage is a covenant. And it's not just any covenant. It's a covenant. Is the is a covenant instituted by God, that is a reflection of Jesus and the church. So it's an illustration. So so the marriage covenant is an illustration, actually illustration of a greater, higher principle. And it's a principle of, of it's as long as so the covenant needs to stay intact to be a reflection of Jesus and the bride. Yes or no? Okay, so a covenant is only broke, it can be broken when one party, at least one party, violates the terms of the covenant. Now, when it comes to, uh, so the vows is usually that, oh, you'll be yoked together until death do you part. That is to say, death is one thing that can end that covenant, yes or no. 
but there, there is spiritual death, there's physical death. So if, if one of the two people dies physically, the other person is free from the yoke of it. But the other thing that causes the death of like the relationship between Jesus and the church is when you introduce a third party called the devil. Once you once one once of course God cannot Jesus cannot go and God Jesus cannot get on the side of the devil. But if the bride of Christ decides to go and um be romancing with the devil, it ru- it breaks the covenant with Jesus, yes or no. Similarly, if a man or a woman introduces a third party into the marriage, it also causes the death of that covenant. That's why Jesus said nobody is allowed to put away their wife except for what? For adultery. Because what adultery does is that it brings a third party into that scenario. So according to in my own limited understanding of scriptures, the only two ways you can get out of a marriage is number one, somebody dies. Or number two, spiritual death by introducing adultery and all of that. If that is not the issue, you cannot go to God and say unreasonable behavior. What is the definition of unreasonable behavior? <laughs> you understand me? You cannot walk to God and say, um, I don't like this person anymore. <laughs> God has not God has not created grounds for you to divorce somebody on the basis of the fact that you don't like their face anymore. My friend, there was a day you liked that face. <laughs> what I be now. And the people say, Amen. Amen. So, yeah, <laughs> I have nothing else to add. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So, God judges between the things you join yourself to and, and who you really are as a person. Unfortunately, what happens is that then uh, um, when you join yourself to certain things that you should not, those things, when God looks at you now, he looks at you in the context of what you have joined yourself into. So even even though God knows, you know, that's why, um, like, a sound of God said that, uh, um, that he saw a vision of the end times and God was judging. And even though Jesus was sending people to where Jesus was weeping. But because Jesus would never forget the potential of the person he died for. So even though their actions have now condemned them to hell, it doesn't mean that he... So Jesus is saying, well, this person, by virtue of your actions, you need to go to hell. But the person is going to hell and Jesus is looking at that person and saying, that could have been a great evangelist. That could have been a powerful prophet. That could have been a great businessman. He knows all those things, but by virtue of your actions, your actions and the things you have joined yourself to warrant that outcome, even though that is not God's preferred outcome. So God is not going to send anybody to hell rejoicing that they have gone to hell because he knows the potential of this. Number one, he knows the sacrifice he paid for that soul. Number two, he knows the potential of that soul that has now become unrealized. So also, we ourselves should always look at life like that. Who you are is who you are. But what you join yourself to is equally important, just like who you are. 
So if you, like I was saying, that if you have friends that continually grieve your spirit, it is in your best interest to not have that friend anymore. If you if you speak to a colleague and when they finish, they say all sorts of dirty things that it makes you recoil inside, then avoid that person. There is no need to grieve your spirit continually. Expose your spirit to grievances. No, you need to keep your spirit quiet. Quiet. The ornament of a quiet and gentle spirit. Quiet. So that the Holy Ghost can say things to you. So that you, every one of us, I've said it before, that we, we sh- must angulate our souls such that we are like an antenna. You know, the antenna is always open to receive signal. So even when it's not the, the, the Lord, the Holy Ghost might not talk every day, but our own job is to be in a position that when He wants to speak, you can hear. So none of us can force God to say something, but you have to be in a place that when He chooses to say it, you can hear. Hallelujah. Uh, and then the last thing that, according to that passage, that God judges, judges between the soul and the spirit. And I mentioned some of this last week, that your, your spirit is ultimately held responsible for what happens. You, you pay with your spirit the things you did in your body. You, it's your physical, because, yes, even it's your physical body that did it. Maybe you lied. It's, you, the lie eventually came out of your physical mouth, but the lie would have involved your soul and in so in many cases in the in the life of the unregenerated person it also involves their dead spirit anyway so you you god god is able to judge between things that are coming from the soul things that are coming from the flesh things that are coming from the spirit that's why Paul was saying that ah oh wretched man that i am the things i want to do i don't do okay so now the, if, if if he says the things he wants to do he doesn't do the ones he wants to do, where are they coming from? Coming from his spirit. The ones the ones so he do, he doesn't do. Why is he not able to do them? Because of the limitations of his soul and his body. But then the one that he doesn't want to do, the one that his spirit finds repulsive, his body and his soul ends up dragging him to do them. So what is that that is an illustration of the struggle between the spirit and the soul for the control of the body. Many, many times, what happens is that as, as um, maybe as a non-believer, you have lived your life a certain way. For example, you, you are the person that you drank a lot as a non-believer. You understand? Or you, you, you lied a lot, or you, you, know, you lied and scammed people a lot. But now you've become born again. Now your spirit is supposed to rule over your flesh and your soul. But there will be instances where, where you would have done it before you even realized what you did. Like somebody now said that, uh, if you know, this is one of the arguments of uh, for, once and forever, if they're not this drama that many times we don't even put in context. Somebody will now come and say, oh, if you, if somebody goes, gets born again now and drinks a bottle of beer and gets hit by a car, you know all those hypothetical situations, will the person go to heaven or hell? Of course, the person is going to heaven. 
Because the person has received the life of Christ in his soul, in his spirit. The problem is that the stronghold of his soul and his mind is still there. The, all the emotional connections are still there. All the neurological pathways he created are still That is why the Bible implores us to be soaked in the word. Because one of the things the word of God does is that it rewires your mind. It, it physically rewires your neurological pathways. You, you, you start to think scriptures. And if you are saying God doesn't talk to me, God doesn't talk to me, you have many times the first set of ways God speaks to you is to always bring scriptures to your mind. So if your mind is void of the Bible, you are going to look like God doesn't talk to you. Whereas it is it is it is the scriptures that you've exposed us. God just hooks one. God just hooks one. You know, God just the Holy Spirit was explaining something to me about what happens when you listen to scriptures. So you are listening to scriptures. For example, you are listening to your audio Bible. Your spirit is like a net with hooks on it, and the word of God is just like that stream passing through. At your your spirit man will be catching verses catching phrases you might not even remember they will come when when you now remember a sentence you can't remember which passage of the bible it is which chapter or which verse but that sentence keeps reading in your spirit and then you go and google it and you realize oh it was that passage i listened to last week what has happened is that your spirit has caught verses caught sentences caught words in the stream of the word that is going many times the best way to handle that is that once your spirit once is a, a, a passage is highlighted to you like that you should try to write it down sometimes if you write it down wonderful if you don't write it down sometimes god brings it back sometimes it never brings it back maybe years later you have that same experience again when you come in contact with that verse but that's part of how god speaks to you your mind is, is renewed. Your spirit is regenerated. You think in scriptures. Sometimes it's not even that the scripture comes to you. It's that your spirit becomes orientated in such a way. You know what is called brainwashing? You can, you can do that intentionally with the scriptures. Such that you... you, you brainwashing is not the right word. But you can, you can soak your person in scriptures such that not only is it that you recall the scriptures it serves as a gate for certain things that come into your life it stand is the scriptures now stand as a barrier because it would have oriented your mind in a certain way so this is coming and you're like that it is in that soaking of scriptures that you eventually are able to tell the difference between what is good and acceptable what is lawful and what is expedient you you can you can when you get born again, many times people will hit you with a list of do's and don'ts. The list of sins are essentially do's and don'ts. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't commit fornication. Don't commit adultery. Don't do this. Wonderful. But after you have got past that stage, now it is now to discern between what is lawful, what is expedient, what is acceptable, what I can. What you can do, but should you can, but should you? All that kind of distinction, you'll be able to make it on the basis of the word of God being soaked in your spirit. So God is able to distinguish between the soul and the spirit. And many times when God has got done all these judgments, there are at least about, I think, about four results of this kind of judgment that God does between your thoughts and your actions, your intents and everything. Number one is that the result of it can be an outpouring an outpouring 
Sometimes it is that God's response to judging your person and your works is that it pours, it, there is an outpouring, maybe an outpouring of mercy or an outpouring of peace. Sometimes it just pours out that peace upon you, the peace that passes all understanding because he has looked at your frame and looked at all you have been through and looked at the situation and looked at the injustices and everything that surrounds you. And then he comes with mercy, he comes with peace to let you know that it's okay. It will be okay. Number two is that sometimes God comes with a new grace. Sometimes it is a new grace for favor. Sometimes it's the grace for speed. For example, like I was giving the example of someone that just got born again as 50. That person needs to run. Need to run because there are many, many things that you need to do. So, what, for example, what, what, like what God did for Apostle Paul that made him catch up like he did was that God took him on an incubation course. Three years. Himself and Jesus for three years. So, you can imagine the experiences he had in those days that he didn't even talk about. He spoke of some, but there were some he didn't even talk. But you can imagine if Jesus was teaching in three years, reconstructing all the Bible. He already knew the Bible. He knew the law by heart. He knew the prophets and everything. So God was not coming and saying, oh, this one doesn't mean this. This is what it means. This one doesn't mean this. This is what it means. This is the connection between the law and the prophets and Jesus. This is where Jesus fulfilled this and I fulfilled this. Three years incubator so that when he came out, he was a different man. And the third thing that God does from his judgment and evaluation is that he pours out an anointing. He pours out an anointing. And this one is especially true when enemies are around. For example, Psalm 23 verse 5. He said, that he prepared a table before me in the presence of my enemies. The very next sentence is, he anointed my head with oil. That's why you read in the Old Testament, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Basically, is that the anointing for that specific task came upon that fellow because of what was about to happen. So God responds with an anointing. And all and and number what is next now? One, two, three. Number four is that God comes with an instruction. Sometimes because of God has looked at the details of our lives and our actions and our state of our soul and our minds and everything, it comes to an instruction. And many times that instruction can be to get out of you out of a jam that you're about to enter. Sometimes that instruction is to help you f- avoid the pitfall. Sometimes that instruction is to help you go faster in life. That instruction can be for any that instruction can be for preservation of your soul. But God many times it comes with an instruction. And finally. God comes with warnings and judgment. Many times, God's evaluation of our actions is that it comes to warn us. How many of us have done things that God has warned us before? Or sent somebody to warn us before? Has it happened to you before? It hasn't, God has not warned you before. You people are walking straight and narrow. Hallelujah. <laughs> Sometimes God sends people to warn us like, hmm. The way, the way that matter is going, my friend, is not going to end well. So God quickly sent you a warning. And we've seen instances of it where God sends a warning to a person. The person doesn't yield. And then that thing that God said should not happen eventually happens. 
every time God sends a warning about something and that thing eventually happens, what it shows is that the person did not heed the warning. And sometimes God just sends judgment. If you read Agai chapter 1, that's my last scripture for today. Agai chapter 1 from verse 5. Say, now thus said the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Ye have sown much and bringing little. Ye eat, but ye have not enough. Ye drink, but ye are not filled with drink. Ye, clo- ye clothe yourself, but there is none of you that is warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put into a bag of holes. So this is this scripture. If you have, where you, maybe when you get them, read it. It's both a judge, a warning, and a judgment. So the warning here, if you keep reading, is the fact that they have built their own houses and they have not built the house of God. Verse verse seven says, "Thus said the Lord of hosts: Consider your ways. Go up the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified." Said the Lord. So these people had they had gone on building their own businesses and their own empires and forgotten about building the house of God. So both the warning and the judgment came in that even the ones of you that are earning wages, what the wages you have been earning, you have been putting it in a bag of holes. So as a child of God, if if you seem to be working so hard that you don't feel the results are showing. Maybe you need to stop and con- because God's admonition here was consider your ways. Have you gone ahead with your own ways that you are forgetting the ways of God? Because the result of that is that you'll be earning wages and you'll be putting it in a bag full of holes. You know, and and in closing, there there are usually there are. So the judgments of God is is in is in overviews and is in details, like I've shown us. In, in the short, it is that God comes with all those things I mentioned: a warning, judgment, instruction, and anointing, and all that. In the long term, eventually, it is that we will all appear before the throne, whether it is the judgment seat of Christ, whether it is the great white throne judgment. The great, if anybody that turns up at the great white throne judgment. <laughs> See those two, those two thrones. If it is the, I, I, I don't want to. I'm not going to really explain because of time. But a person that turns up at the judgment seat of Christ, it is the, it is that you have already passed from death to life. It is now the evaluation of the things you have done in the flesh, whether you did them well or you didn't. Whether God considered, you know, God Himself when He finished creating in Genesis, He saw everything He created and declared that they were good. So God will also now look at the things you have also constructed. And if he considers it good, you'll be rewarded. If Jesus considers it not good to be burnt, but the Bible says you yourself will be saved as one that passed through fire. But if a person appears in front of the judgment seat, in, in front of the great white throne judgment, there is nothing anybody can say there that can justify them that person is going to hell is a case of where god now comes and says um so that i just don't send you to hell and all of that let us have a conversation and the way i like to say is that god will bring two bottles of coke he will open the two he will give you one he will take one both of you will sit down brick screen and say this is why you are going to hell so that people that eventually go there. You know, the Bible, if you read the it says even the sea will give up the dead that are in them. 
Everybody in hell right now will wake up, face the great white throne judgment, and on the basis of that, now go to the lake of fire. But that anybody that is, as they are going there, they might, they will not be happy. But what they will know is that they, even they themselves, will know that God is faithful, God is just, God is righteous. Rise up on your feet this morning. There's only one prayer point for this morning. You ask the Lord to consider your ways and show you mercy. Lord, consider my ways and show me mercy. Lord, consider my ways and pour a new anointing. For some of us, it's a new anointing you need. For some of us, it's 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 a warning. For some of us, it's 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 an outpouring of grace and mercy. For some of us, it's 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 that peace. You just need the peace of God that passes all understanding. Say, Lord, consider my ways and help me. That's the only prayer point for this morning. Consider my ways and help me. Consider my ways and help me. Consider my ways and help me. I don't need to be lying to myself. I don't need to be telling myself I'm doing well. When God says, <laughs> I won't be here thinking to myself, I'm doing excellently well. I'm doing great. Whereas the Holy Ghost is shaking his head that, child, what are you doing? Help me. Help me. Help this boy, oh Lord. Help me. Help me consider my ways. Let me know. Show me. God can you can ask God for a vision. You can ask him for a dream. You can ask him for a, like God. Show me. Let me know where I am. How do you rate me? How do you judge me? Do you think I'm doing excellently well? Do you think I'm failing? Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, help us. Ah, Yamaso Velasque. Consider my ways, O Lord. Consider my ways, O Lord. Consider my ways, O Lord. There's nothing that is hid from hidden from your sight anyway. But Lord, help me. Whatever I need, whatever I need to be exactly where you want me to be. Whatever I need, if it's an outpouring of mercy at Paul, if it's an outpouring of grace, Paul, if it's an outpouring of strength, Paul, if it's an outpouring of help, Paul, if it's a warning, if it's an instruction, if it's an anointing that breaks the yoke, please, Paul, Reba Shatali Grahato Velasozema, Embretoskeveni Hambrehetoskima, Megeda Librato Shabambeletoziabarat. Redebosia kevre nezoza paligreto shabalaski oramante ligrehetoske embretoske brana velatoskiaba jetayekeso diamakrendoshketeya meroska bande legreto velatoskima mege deziza brado shabrenoskeba yemamosa hande linge de bretoska paresko tevletoskiba Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, let me not be here fooling myself. Let me not be here deceiving myself. Let me not be here thinking I'm I'm serving you when I'm not. Let me not be here thinking I'm doing your bidding when I am far from that which you said I should do. I combreto sekeligrato velatos yama meretoski barreto cabratos keba. Redosh kabandele grehetoske, made deliga ya kabosia baba. 
Holy Spirit, help me. Have mercy on me. Let it not be that it's on judgment day I realize I have, hey, I have brought forth wind. Let it not be that it's on judgment when I, it's not, let, let it be that it's not when I meet you face to face that I have to start justifying why I failed. I have to start justifying why I didn't measure up to your standard for my life. Help me. Help me. Now, now, when it is fixable, now that I still have time, now that I'm still alive, now that I still have hope, now that I still have have a chance help me 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 ruta shetaligrahatoske consider my ways and let every let every shortcoming reveal that i might change reveal that i might change bible says it is the child that god loves that he chastises said if we are without rebuke we are bastards let me not be a bastard in your house let me be a child that can be corrected let me be a child that can be changed let me not be of those that you have left to themselves there are people that god leaves to themselves people like that end up being they end up self-destroying lord that you will never leave me to myself like i I will not i will not get to that point where you say you know what do whatever you want because when god says do whatever you want the next time you are going to meet him is at the judgment throne have mercy have mercy have mercy. Leave me not to myself. Leave me not to my devices. Leave me not to my devices. Leave me not to my humanity. Leave me not to my own my own will and pleasure. Leave me not to my own decisions. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Hey, Bible says there's a way that seems right unto man, but the end of it is destruction. Sometimes people are on that way and they feel good and they feel good and they feel good until they are destroyed. Help me that I will not be set on the way of destruction and I'm having fun while I'm going down the drain. That I will not be set on the way of on the path of destruction and be having pleasures while I am on the way to hey Ruta Bagle Kletoske Brede Valesco Taimapaliakaba. Help me, help me. Let let me be let me let my daily work be acceptable to you. Let my look, look evaluate me inside out, inside out. Judge me. If there is any look at me, if there be any any iniquity in my me, show me the way ever. Everlasting. Show me the way everlasting. Show me the way everlasting. Why run if we are going to run in vain? Why bother if you are going to run in vain? Why bother if at the end of the day the Lord is still going to say, Depart from me, you walk out of iniquity? Those people came. Bible said they, they, they said they we healed in your name. We casted out demons in your name. We raised the sick in your name. We raised the, we opened blind eyes. Jesus didn't deny that they didn't do any of those things. He said, yes, you did. But depart from me, you workers of iniquity. That means you can be raising the sick and healing the, the oppressed and everything. And yet Jesus comes back and says, I don't know you, depart from me. Help me. Let my ways be acceptable to you. Let my ways be acceptable. Let it not be that I think because I, 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 there is a manifestation of some power and grace. Help me. Help me. The Bible says that the gifts of God are without repentance. That means you can be showing the gifts of God and you are still going to hell. Help me. Help me. Help me that I judge myself from the heights of heaven. Help me to see my life as you see it. Holy Ghost, help me that I will see my own life as you see it, not the way I think I see it. But uh, let me let me, give me a perspective of heaven concerning my actions. Give me the perspective of heaven concerning my decisions. Give me the perspective of God concerning the things I do or that I do not. 
Help me. Help me. The only opinion that matters is the opinion of Jesus. The only eyes that matter, they are the eyes of Jesus. Because those are the eyes that will judge what we do. Help me. Help me. Let me not labor in vain. Let me not wake up. Many of us wake up. Six o'clock, you have to wake up, get on your way. Sometimes five o'clock, you have to wake up to get on your way. Sometimes you have to come from work. You are coming from night duty. You are coming straight to church. Just so you can be here. You cannot do all of that. And at the end of the day, Jesus is still saying, what have you done? Help me that my sacrifices will not be in vain. Help me that my labors will not be in vain. Help me that all the stress and the challenge that I go through for the name of God will not be in vain. At the end of the day, after you have done all of that, sometimes it is the last money you have you give. Sometimes it is the last money you have to use to book your train tickets and your bus passes. Sometimes you have to do so many hard jobs so you can get here on Sunday, so you can fellowship with people, that all of that will not be in vain, that the Lord will be glorified in your life, that the Lord will be happy. Because many times God sees all those sacrifices, but also is looking at the state of your heart. Why are you doing it? Are you doing it so that they won't say, why didn't you come on Sunday? Or are you doing it because you genuinely love him and serve him? Or so you, for whatever reason, Lord, look at my heart. Anything I'm doing for you for, for the wrong reasons, for the wrong reasons, for the wrong reasons, point it out. Everything I'm doing for you for with an imperfect heart. You see the, all the kings of Israel. So this one worked with God, but not with a perfect heart. This one followed the ways of David, but not with a perfect heart. This one, that would not be my story. It would not be that I, yes, he served God. Yes, he preached on, 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 on so many Sundays, but he didn't do with the heart that God was looking for. Help me, help me. Let my heart be right before you. Help me to serve you with a perfect heart. Let me, help me to serve you with the right motive. Ai, ya pose que vreno chabale creto velasia mamei. Embretos cadelia crahatos que ba. Jete baratos que veleca yeca baboria babales que teia. Jedabalia brondos que belia vrodos que zeni. Jete baratos kima meke veleca ratos que ababai. Help me, help me, help me, help me. There are times you can do something that seems good, that seems good to go for God, but that God will even say it is not time yet. You can. You can do the wrong thing by doing the right thing at the wrong time. Help me that my timings will be impeccable. That my timings will be in step with the doings of the Holy Ghost. That I will not run before the Holy Ghost. I will not lag behind the Holy Ghost. In step. In step. In step. Every decision. In step. Every action. In step. In the name of Jesus. That was speaking about it this morning. The angels told Lot, go to the go, go, go to the mountain. He said he didn't want to go to the mountain. He wanted to go to a small city. He eventually went to the mountain. But the blessing that was waiting for him on the mountain already left. I believe it. I believe that the, 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 if he had gone to the mountain, the Bible talks of, of, of Abraham that they were shepherds. He had shepherds. So obviously his shepherds could have taken the sheep to the mountain that day. And they would have found Lot and his sons. I said, Lot, what are you doing here? And they would have taken him back to Abraham. And he would have been spared. But then he said, no, I'm not going to the mountain. I want to go to this little city. We know how it ended up. Help me. In his mind, he eventually did what the angel said. But the provision waiting for him had left. Help me. I will not only do the right thing. I will also do the right things at the right time. In the name of Jesus. I will also do the right things at the right time. Perfect timing. Timing. Perfect timing. Let my timings be in sync with the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus. 
Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Father, we thank you. Rabo Shatayegaya. Zeto Parasketegleto Zekarabo Shaba. Take two more minutes to speak to the Lord. Two more minutes to speak to the Lord. Redo Shata. Pour your heart. This is the time to ask for grace. This is the time to ask for help. Maybe you are weary. Maybe you are heavy laden. This is the time to ask for help. Help me. Lord, this thing is too much for me. Help me. Undertake for me. Bear for me. Help for me. Rodo Shata Yakateo Brandesketom. Jegem Bakatesketeglahatoskaba. Help me, help me, help me, help me. Roda Baroske Teglahatoske, Reto Caligreto, Zombalacrehetos Yacados, Ratos Ecleheto, Maratos Cleocreoska, Ora Massa Celia, Maratos Ketegletoske, Hayo Maharoska Bai, Ora Bassahalicrehetos, Ora Bassahelicrehetos. Hallelujah. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help me. Urabashata Yakadoskiaba. Ebratosiakata. Help me. Ruta Kaligrahatoskeba. Keligadoska Baratoskebene. Help me. Help me. Help me. Help us. Help us as a people. Help us as a church. Help us as a ministry. Help us as families. Help us as individuals. Erato shakaya kato. Eklato skebre. Embreto skaba. Kavale katoria baba. Jete barato skete. Kabo kalika pate ya barato skaba. Help us. Help us. Help us. Help us. Ruta sheta ya katio bara. Rekato gabele rita baruska banke de geligaba. Embretos ke veletos yamaratos ke de i kaligratos kobo. Embretos iza lige velatoria babaria. Rock of ages clerk for me. Rock of ages clerk for me. Rock of ages clerk for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy riven side with flow be your seed and double cure. Save me from his guilt and power, not the labors of my hands can fulfill thy love's demand. Could my zeal no respite know? Could my tears forever flow? All for sin could not atone. Thou must save and thou alone. Nothing in my hands I bring simply to thy cross I cling 
Naked come to the fortress, helpless look to thee for grace. Far I to the mountain fly, wash me, Savior, I die, while I draw this fleeting breath, when my eyes shall close in death, when I soar towards unknown, see the arms thy judgment's throne, rock of Let me hide myself in thee While I draw this fleeting breath When my eyes shall close in death When I soar towards unknown an example last week the man was worth 32 billion dollars in five days he went from being worth 32 billion dollars to being worth zero zero in five days the things men put confidence in will fail them but say holy ghost be my confidence holy ghost be my portion holy ghost be my strength holy ghost be my everything 
In places I've shut you up, forgive me. In places I've overruled you, forgive me. In places I've ignored your instructions, forgive me. In those places where I know what you have said that I've gone my own way, forgive me. Be my portion. Be my bread. Be my everything. Lift up my head. Help me. Help me. Strengthen my knees. My knees are weak. Strengthen them. My hands are weary. Lift them up. Lift up my hands. Lift up my head. Lift up my knees. Put strength in my bones again that my ways may be perfect before you. That my ways may be perfect before you. Help me. Help me. Let me not run as one that beats the air. Let me not fight blindly. Let me not fight blindly. Let every effort of mine count before you. Let every tear count before you. Let every stress count before you. Let every sacrifice count before you. Let me not offer the sacrifice of Cain, let me offer the sacrifice of Jesus. Help me to offer the sacrifice of Jesus. The cross of Jesus. Father, we give you praise. In Jesus' name we have prayed. Holy Spirit, we ask that you help us. Ah, let us walk worthy. Let us walk worthy. Everybody's walking, but not everybody's walking worthy. Help us to walk worthy. Let us not be of those that their works will be burned. Ah, help us not to have labored in vain. Help us not to have sacrificed in vain. Help us, Holy Ghost. Help us, Holy Ghost. Let every deficiency be addressed. Let every wrinkle be straightened. Let every valley be leveled. Let every mountain be brought low. Let every obstacle be removed. That your people might be strong. That your people might travel on the wings of the Spirit. In the name of Jesus. Thank you as you have spoken to us. Thank you as you continue to help us. In Jesus' name we pray.